SR. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The lights flickered out, and in a thunderous roar, everything on the super ship seemed to break loose. Beds and boilers lurched as the black hole of the RMS Titanic tilted perpendicularly. Its three great propellers reared against the heavens and then... It was gone, and 1,522 souls with it. There'd been no sense of urgency when the Titanic first struck an iceberg in the North Atlantic at about 11.40 p.m. on April 14, 1912. When Edith Brown Heisman last saw her daddy, he was standing on deck smoking a cigar and smiling as his wife and daughter. He said, I'll see you in New York. He said it confidently as his family was bundled into lifeboat number 14. Everyone kept saying, she's unsinkable, recalled Heisman. But the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable. Emerging from the depths of the sea and lifeboat survivors is a tale of haunting deception and undisclosed secrets hovering over history's most remembered disaster. And today... We recall history's most remembered disaster, the Titanic. So I welcome you aboard. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transformed. You say, well, what in the world could you find regarding the matter of Titanic now over a 100 years later that could possibly speak to us today? Oh, friends, it speaks to us today in ways beyond anything you could possibly imagine, and then some. Because as one producer of one of the famous Titanic films said, we're all on the Titanic together. We're all, it seems, on the Titanic together. And so, indeed, it was a night to remember. That was the title of the book. I have it in my hands, A Night to Remember, by Walter Lord, in his classic 1955 bestseller, but the Titanic was by no means the largest disaster in modern history. In fact, unlike the Lusitania and the Hindenburg, it had virtually no political import. Yet it remains the only disaster that people generally care about. Stephen Cox, author of the Titanic story, asked the question, what is there about the Titanic story that keeps us coming back to it? What is the significance of this story? You can have a real story without risks, but the best stories are those that ask the riskiest questions about good and bad. So when we try to answer them, we recover our sense of dignity of human life. And that's why he said we keep coming back to the Titanic story, because it makes us think about the things that matter. It's little wonder, then, that the historian Stephen Beale, in his reminiscing cultural history of the Titanic, called Down with the Old Canoe, speculates that the three most written-about subjects of all time may be Jesus, the Civil War, and the Titanic. So, buried 12,000 feet beneath the sea in total darkness, 
gone from a world it momentarily defined, the Titanic refuses to die. It's a morality play, said Newsweek, a biblical warning to those who would dare to challenge the Almighty. Wow. And now we're beginning to see exactly why the Titanic may speak to us today. So, again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. Viewpoint always determines destiny, and today your viewpoint and mine always determine destiny. No matter how small our viewpoints may seem to be, no matter how significant or insignificant the things on which we have viewpoints are, they do determine destiny. They set the course of destiny, whether we realize it or not. Lady Cosmo Duff Gordon said, The last voice I heard was a man shouting, My God, my God. Wow. Maybe it's the first time he ever addressed God. Sometimes it takes something significant, like a sinking ship, to realize, wow, there's something more about life than as some were rejoicing and smoking their cigars and others playing whatever kinds of games they were, others eating sumptuously. It was a most heart-rending moment when the Titanic sent the first SOS call in history. So today we begin to see the implications of this, and I'm so glad that you have joined us. It was the most expensive violin ever purchased. Amazing. The most expensive violin ever purchased. The violin played by the bandmaster of the Titanic to calm the passengers as it sank, sold at auction for $1.45 million in 2013. A world record fee for memorabilia from the doomed liner. The instrument was found strapped to the body of Wallace Hartley after he drowned, along with 15 others in the 1,500 others in the disaster in 1912, and was sold at Titanic specialist auctioneers Henry Aldridge and son, uh, and son in Devizes, Southwest England. The instrument carries an inscription from the 33-year-old's fiancé or fiancé. Fiance, it should have said, Maria Robinson, to mark their engagement and was on sale with its leather luggage case in which it was found. It was believed to have been lost, but was ultimately found in the attic of a house in northwest England and prompted debate about its authenticity, which experts only recently resolved. The bidding started at $81 for the violin, Within a few minutes, it passed the previous world record that was $355,000 for a Titanic piece as competition between four telephone bidders heated up. And then there were gasps. For the 200 people at the auction house, as the price reached more than the equivalent of $565,000, and then there was a tense silence. 
as the battle for the instrument narrowed to two telephone bidders. And it took just 10 minutes to sell for its final price. Hartley's band played the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, to try to calm the passengers while they climbed into lifeboats as the Titanic sank beneath the icy waves of the North Atlantic on April 15th, Tax Day, 1912, after hitting an iceberg. And Hartley and his several band members all died after choosing to continue to play on Nearer My God to Thee. Question. What would it take to get your attention to really cry out, Nearer my God to thee? What would it take? How much shock does it take for God to get our attention? That's a question hovering over our conversation today on Viewpoint. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismeyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, we hear from the Titanic. That's right. From the Titanic as a Titanic message for every single one of us. As one filmmaker said, we are all on the Titanic together. Dick Teeth is coming back. We're all, in a sense, on the Titanic together. Walter Lord, in his classic 1955 bestseller called A Night to Remember, which is underneath my left hand here, says it remains a night to forget for those who were on board. A night to forget rather than a night to remember. But in their needing to forget, we need to remember. A night to remember for the world. It's an irresistible tale of tragedy and truth. Believe it or not, 17 movies, 18 documentaries, and at least 130 books have been written to reveal the moral and spiritual mysteries played out in the drama of deception played out before the world on the decks of the Titanic. It's a moment in time that encapsulates what life is all about, said Mr. Tullock of RMS Titanic, Inc. The Titanic wasn't annihilated in an instant. It took two hours and 40 minutes to sink, during which people, rich and poor, young and old, had to make choices. It's an interesting fact that the newspaper report, magazine articles, and books published shortly after the Titanic sinking referred to eternal truths. That's amazing. Yet most of these were secular publications writing about eternal truths. It's amazing what a shock to the world can do to cause us to refocus away from our temporal lives to eternity. 
Dr. Robert Ballard first discovered the remains of the great ship in 1985, resting two miles down on the ocean floor in the cold, pitch blackness of the North Atlantic. There are pivotal points in our lives when we are brought face-to-face with the things in life that matter most, and at those junctures are choices that must be made, choices that inevitably determine the course of destiny. In other words, viewpoint determines destiny and results in choices. Deception and undisclosed secrets deliver us to the brink of destiny. It's a metaphor. James Cameron, director of the extravaganza film production in 1996, said, it's a metaphor for life. In a very real sense, we are all on the Titanic. Can you sense that? By the time this program is over today, I trust that you will sense that. And in fact, it will have a command performance response in your life as it has in mine. The Titanic was large, even by today's standards. This was the grandest of the grand, representing all the power, wealth, luxury, and arrogance of its age. The Titanic was built at the height of the Industrial Age, a time when technology ruled as a god. She was promoted as unsinkable. With her 16 watertight compartments, several passengers wrote in their diaries they overheard people claim even God couldn't sink this ship. Sounds like what a lot of people think about America, doesn't it? Even God couldn't sink this country because we're so loved and we're so... We must be his favorite. Yet the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable. One deception led to another. How many of our lives are coded and led by deception? Seemingly little deceptions here and there, but one deception leads to another, and we really think we're unsinkable. And to think otherwise is unthinkable. Undisclosed secrets obscured what might otherwise have seemed obvious. Passengers boarded brashly, confident in their safety. The ill-fated Captain Edward J. Smith was also boldly confident, cranking up the speed to set a new transatlantic speed record, even as the regal vessel approached the well-known North Atlantic ice fields. Unbeknownst to unsuspecting passengers, no safety drills had been conducted. Why? Why would we need safety drills when she's unsinkable? The wireless operators ignored or made light of repeated warnings of icebergs ahead. Even the captain seemed complacent. At about 11 p.m., when the ship's crew spotted iceberg ahead, Frantic orders were given to turn the massive liner. And there are few more dramatic or spine-tingling lines in the history of cinema than those of the Titanic captain in an earlier film when upon the news of Iceberg dead ahead, he cried pleadingly to his ship, Turn! 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 And then exclaimed, Dearest God! And upon news of having struck the berg, 
he utters softly, impossible. We're going to hear from him. We're going to hear from him after the next break. You say, how can we hear from him if he went down with the Titanic? Well, you're just going to have to wait and understand. Yet the deception continued. Even though a 300-foot slice, a little over a quarter inch wide, was scraped by the ice through the hull, nothing was detectable by anyone on board, but the unsinkable ship had been mortally wounded. Yet even that fact remained a virtual secret. Friends, could our great ship of state called America be mortally wounded like that? Have we already been mortally wounded and don't realize it? It's like the scripture says, it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. Better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes and potentates and powers, even nations. You say, well, don't you love your country? Yes, I do. But I love God more. And the more things go on, the more I see my country having diverted itself from the truth and having rushed on into the ice fields of life, the icebergs of life, knowing the danger and yet careening on like a drunken sailor, risking everything, running away from God's commands. It's a dangerous journey this ship called America is on. But still nothing was detected by the passengers on board. Even as the watertight compartments, that is supposedly watertight compartments, filled with water, few had any clue what was happening. Many joked, even when ordered to bring lifeboats and board them. Not until the unsinkable began listing and tilting did the passengers realize they were in trouble? And that which long seems secret, well, it inevitably surfaces to the surprise of the unsuspecting, leaving little time to take stock of reality. It was dreadful. That's what Eva Hart, a seven-year-old survivor, remembered. With her mother, she was put on a lifeboat as her father was left behind, she could hear the screams echoing across the freezing waters as the huge ship rose and suddenly slipped below, and all was darkness. It was absolutely dreadful, she said. And so it will be when consequences of creeping spiritual deception become manifested in our lives as we approach the end of the age. Pomp. Pride, power, perks, position, keep our spirits falsely afloat. While this great unsinkable ship of earth takes on water, ready to plunge into the abyss where time and eternity meet. The overwhelming majority will be deceived. Secrets that seduced will survive and surface too late. Their destiny will be determined. Their mournful cries will be deafening. The unthinkable will happen to the unsinkable. It'll be dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Yet there's a key. There is a missing key. 
It looked for all the world like an ordinary key. But this unremarkable piece of metal could have saved the Titanic from disaster. That's Those were the opening words in a heart-rending report of remorse in the Telegraph online paper published in the United Kingdom, August thirtieth, two 2007. Sometimes it takes a 100 years to figure out why things have happened. We just don't quite understand. It's the little things oftentimes. They say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. But can the little foxes eat holes in and through our lives? Like an iceberg slicing a quarter-inch slice along a ship, it would cause it to take on deadly waters and sink when it thought it was unsinkable. Well, catastrophically for the Titanic and her 1,522 passengers that lost their lives, the Keys owner, the second officer, David Blair, was removed from the crew at the last minute, and in his haste, he forgot to hand the key to his replacement. And the key is thought to have fitted the locker that contained the crow's nest binoculars that were vital to detecting lurking threats to the liner in persona, pre-persona, or pre-sonar days. Without the glasses, lookouts in the crow's nest had to rely on their own eyes, which were unable to perceive the disaster lying ahead until it was too late. And so many people are refusing to read the Bible, which provides the key to life. Just refusing. Professing Christians refusing to read. And it holds the key to life. So they rely upon their own eyes, doing that which is right in their own eyes, until it's too late. Unable to perceive the spiritual disaster that's lying ahead, until the ship of their life heads for an unwelcome eternity. A survivor, Fred Fleet, was called by Congress to testify. When asked by the chairing U.S. Senator how much sooner the binoculars would have made the looming iceberg visible, he answered, enough to get out of the way. Ninety-five years later, the key and its significance had truly come to light and was put up for auction. The auctioneer said, I think this key is one of the most important artifacts from the Titanic to come to light. It is the key that had the potential to save the Titanic. We want to talk about that key. Well, not the Titanic's key, but the key for each one of us today. Because remember, we're all on the Titanic together. And this is a metaphor for life. That's why we keep coming back to the Titanic. So when we come back, we're going to be taking a look at the significance of perceived insignificance in our lives. We're going to take a look at some of the Titanic's last secrets. The collision course with destiny. And our key to avoid deception. This is a very, very big deal, my friend. And that's why we talk about it every single year at this time. 
because we're all historically and currently on the Titanic together. When we get back, we'll also hear from the captain, Captain Smith, at least his representation as set forth in the 1955 film Titanic. Gird yourself. You might want to anchor your seatbelt. It is gripping. But for now, we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Yes, even through the message of the Titanic. Did you know that America, and indeed the whole world, is sailing through at breakneck speed a sea full of frigid icebergs threatening to bring us all down. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Imagine yourself as a father, a father on board the Titanic. When it went down in 1912 in April, imagine... You see, the women and children were loaded onto lifeboats. The men were to wait until all the women and children were loaded on lifeboats. Imagine yourself as one of those men, a father, a grandfather, a husband. What would have been your thought? Try to place yourself in a position of one of those men. What would have run through your mind? Some of them tried to assure their wife or their children that, uh, I'll, I'll see you in New York. I'll see you soon. Trying to buck up, be strong. But the reality was quite the contrary. But suppose that you were one of those men. What would you have done differently if you had known in advance? If you had known that you would not have any further time with your kids or grandkids or your spouse, what would you have done differently? You see, the problem with our lives and our thinking is we live in the in the world of if-onlys. If only. If only this, if only that, if only this, if only that, if only I had done this, if only I had not done that. 
If only I had been here. You see, right now, you and I have an opportunity while living to resolve the if-onlys. As one famous phrase has said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What would you have done differently if you're thinking about it, and right now, as you're listening in your car or listening in your home or your business, wherever you happen to be, contemplating that your life, that you are going down to Davy Jones' locker, 12,000 feet under the sea surface, and you'll never see your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren again, or your wife. What would you have done differently? If they were playing as the old ship went down, nearer my God to thee, what would you and I have done? What would we do today that changes the course of destiny for our children, our grandchildren, our spouses? What will you do today? Because today is the first day and maybe even the last day of the rest of your life. That's not just a a gross negative kind of thing. Because the Bible itself tells us, Lord, please help me to number my days that I might incline my heart unto your wisdom. Well, the captain of the Titanic didn't incline his heart to wisdom. He knew the dangers out there, but it didn't matter because pride, power, perks, and position just lorded it over his life, and he had the opportunity to captain the greatest ship ever, the unsinkable. So let's listen to the captain, Captain Smith, in his moment of truth. It was silent out there on the sea. There's ice ahead. What do you see? Ice! Dead ahead! A berg less than a mile away! Thank you. Iceberg, right ahead. Harder starboard, Mr. Hitchens. Harder starboard. Helm is hard over, sir. Full speed astern!
along. Turn! We're gonna win the fucking race. Turn! Closing the watertight doors. Note the time and enter it into the log. Captain on the bridge. You struck something, Mr. Murdoch. An iceberg, sir. I had a starboard and ran the engines full astern, but it was too close. I'm afraid she's hit it. Dearest God. I closed the watertight doors, rung the warning bell. Sir, do you hear me? Impossible. Dearest God. Impossible. That's how many of us think. We just don't get it. We just don't get it. God has been calling to someone listening to this program today, maybe all of us, turn, turn. He says, turn to me with all your heart. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. But we say, yes, but. Or we cruise on amid our pride and self-centeredness in a me, me, me generation and just think everything's wonderful, everything's cool. After all, I believe in God. After all, I go to church. After all, I went to that Billy Graham rally and walked forward. But how about now? How about right now? Remember, the Titanic is a metaphor for life. And we're all on the Titanic together, so to speak. And the world now remembers, again, it's been over a century since the Titanic met its moment of truth. The tale of terror never ceases to grip our moral and spiritual imagination. But those memories are embellished with a thousand what-ifs. Yet another account has now surfaced 
probing deeply below the surface discussions of the usually repeated observations that haunt us to this day, might there have been a more fundamental secret laying undisclosed at the door of Titanic's demise? Well, yes. Enter the Titanic's last secret, a book published in 2008. It's a riveting book that weaves new evidence from the depths with historical accounts to reveal dark, hidden truths about the deadly voyage. The shocking conclusion, what happened aboard the Titanic that night was far worse than anyone ever guessed. In a fresh, moving, and irresistible portrait of the doomed ship, combining secret archives and forensic engineering, Brad Marsden offered haunting new conclusions about Titanic. He said it didn't have to happen this way. They did not have to die. But why? The true story of Titanic has never been told, said Tom McCluskey. I know things nobody else knows. Indeed, he did. He had been working at the great shipyard, Harlan and Wolf, where the Titanic was built from 1965 to... That would be earlier... He, he ended his career at the company Archivist and was the author of four books on Olympic-class ships. His access to shipyard records made him the world's most direct living link to the people who had built Titanic. The Titanic had been flawed from its foundation. The same flaw in its sister ships had become well apparent and major effort was made to retrofit them in order to structurally remedy their deadly effects. Corners had been cut in construction so as to reduce costs of construction as well as continuing costs of coal needed to fuel the required structural weight. Pursuit of profit compromised architectural and engineering principles and the rest is a wake of horror defining a century of history. I wonder if this isn't a metaphor for what's happened in the church in the last century since the Titanic went down. People feeling secure when not secure at all. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. We are all on board the Titanic together here. A little over a century since it went down. 12,000 feet under the surface of a frozen sea. Piri and Ismay, 
the owner and principal of the Titanic project, whose decisions had determined the destiny of so many, must have been terrified when they'd figured out that the known weak joints had caused the unsinkable to collapse. What was that about? Well, the expansion joints on the deck and hull of the massive Titanic were far from adequate. The steel plating called for by the architectural plans was so reduced as to compromise engineering integrity of the vessel. And every flaw in Titanic's hull had stolen minutes from the lives of the 1,504 people who might otherwise have been rescued by the Carpathia. That's a direct quote. A public discussion of the weaknesses in their ship of dreams would have ruined Peary and Ismay, the big businessmen. They had no choice. They thought but to keep those weaknesses secret. How many pastors out there are keeping the truth, major elements of God's word, secret, because they just don't want to risk losing parishioners, losing dollars in the plate, losing the funds for the next building project. And so they're compromising, compromising God's plans, compromising the spiritual engineering integrity of the church. And they're actually, well, they have a choice, but to them their only choice is to compromise, to compromise the truth, to tell the people only that which they think the people want to hear, just as the Bible said, scratching, itching ears. In reality, as pastor and people alike on the Titanic, we're on a collision course with destiny, my friends. Destruction for most lies ahead, just as it did on the Titanic. Our vision is clouded, our perspective is limited to our personal or collective earthbound thoughts. Yet the Creator, the Lord of history, knows what lies ahead. He sees what is secret to us. And the reality is that the Bible is our binocular. It's the key that opens our vision, our hearts, our understanding to see beyond our naked human visual limitations. Yet, we have to value the key enough to get out the binocular that will enable us to see the dastardly deceptions ahead that are lurking below life's surface like a deadly iceberg waiting to destroy the unwary, which are most. Why is it that men refuse to read the Bible? I'm not kidding you. How many professing Christian men have I heard tell me, well, I don't read? So they don't read the Bible. And yet their families, their children, their spouses are looking to them for spiritual leadership. They think their family is unsinkable. But what they do not know is that the captain of their family, their fathers and grandfathers and husbands, are not properly 
preparing their family as a ship of integrity to endure the tests that are coming. And the terror that will come upon those families is unspeakable. Or, as the seven-year-old who went through and survived in a lifeboat said, it was absolutely dreadful. Pastor and people, presidents, potentates, the poor, they're all on board man's prideful ship. Churning headlong into the darkness of deception, never in human history have the forces of deception combined with the devil's demonic host into such a formidable agent of destruction to lead you and those you love into perdition. The greatest warnings to you and me come from our Lord himself and from his disciples. The telegraphed warnings are principally to the church, to those who profess to be followers of Christ. Unfortunately, most will not heed the warnings. In fact, the Apostle Paul warned that they will be gripped by a strong delusion and that they will believe a lie. Some pastors, through proud and neglectful delay, will, like the captain of the Titanic, in a last desperate moment cry, Turn! 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 But it will be too late. They will wince silently in eternal remorse, saying, Dearest God, impossible. But most will simply just plunge blindly ahead, deceptively convinced of the unsinkability of their church, of their ship, their family, in which they have idolatrously placed their trust, or of their nation. Hordes will trust the counterfeit Christ for a last great fling on the Titanic of Earth, spurning the hope and direction promised by Christ, the captain of their salvation, and his seemingly insignificant key the carnage, will be dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And friends, that's the reason I wrote the book, The Secret of the Lord, the hidden truth that defines your destiny. It's about restoring the fear of the Lord in the land. You see, the secret of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and to them and them only will he reveal or manifest his covenant. And yet, for the past 50 years, we have progressively, in fact, longer than that, we have progressively abandoned the most essential and foundational element of our life for eternity, and that is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the very beginning of wisdom, but we've cast it loose from our lives. We don't need that fear of the Lord stuff. No, we just want to love Jesus. Really? Then why don't we obey him? The reason we don't obey him is because we have cast away the mooring through the fear of the Lord. We just don't see him as God anymore. We've created a God in our own image, one that we like better. We've created our own Titanic that looks great on the outside, 
seems to be cruising along in the waters of life, but will not be able to hang together when the storm comes. And it's coming very rapidly. You can see it. You can almost smell the icebergs straight ahead, my friend. The Scriptures, the Bible, or God's Word, provide the key to avoid end-time deception. Yet for most, its truths remain a virtual secret. Oh, we know a few verses. We, we think we know certain things, but we're, we're not attending to it. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We don't do that anymore. We don't even teach our children to memorize and meditate on the word of God. We don't med- meditate on the word of God. We're not even told to do so. People don't even bring their Bibles to church anymore. No. Our problem is that we do not have the key. Well, we have the key, but we don't truly and seriously seek its significance so as to properly put it to use in order that we can be guided in our lives to avoid the icebergs of life and the massive deception that now threatens to destroy us. And Jesus said the deception is going to be so great that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. And believe me, it's going to be small. Because Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it, but broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat. So, I want to make available to you my book, The Secret of the Lord. It may be one of the most important books I've ever written, because it goes to the very foundation of our hope. For the future, the very foundation of our hope in times like these, we need an anchor. We need an anchor more than anything else right now. And the fear of the Lord is the anchor, the foundational spiritual anchor that will steady our lives amid the storms that are coming. And we ain't seen nothing yet. Men, if you don't want to have the same lament that those fathers and those grandfathers and husbands had going down to the bottom of the sea in 1912, you don't want to have the same feeling of loss, a lost opportunity, lost life, Lost influence. Failure. You don't want to have that. Today is the day to turn. So, the book, The Secret of the Lord, is an effort to take out the binocular of God's Word so as to give a more distant and distinct view of the deception now surrounding us and of the profound danger that lies ahead if we do not make timely course correction. And time is running out. Destiny is going to be determined by the value you and I place on God's key so as to discover the secret of the Lord. Remember, the Titanic is a metaphor for life. And as we've said over and over again, in a very significant sense, we're all on the Titanic together. 
We may just want to replace earthly captains in who we trust with Yeshua, the Messiah, Christ, who alone is the true captain of our salvation, who alone can guide us in this particularly desperate moment of history to the multiplied icebergs of deception that are threatening shipwreck to our lives. In these choppy waters, my friend, the secret of the Lord lies straight ahead, if you'll avail yourself of it. The book, The Secret of the Lord. It is a $20 book, hardbound, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. The first chapter I shared with you this, this afternoon here on Viewpoint. The first chapter, Titanic Secrets. This is a big deal. From God's viewpoint, it is the only deal. In God's mercy and in his compassion, this very moment and over the past hour, he has been reaching out to you by his spirit to woo and to warn, to prepare the way of the Lord in your life and that of your family and your congregation for history's final hour. This book will help you to see. It will open your eyes to see what we have missed, what our pastors have missed by their own admission. The fear of the Lord is the secret of the Lord. It's on our website, The Secret of the Lord. $20 hardbound book, yours for $15 at saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. As the captain of the Titanic said, turn. This is what God is saying to you and me. Turn, turn, turn. What will we do? What will you do? You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.